Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. I was explaining in the previous program that the Jew during the time when this was written had a distinct advantage. And the advantage, of course, was that they had a head start down this road that would lead an individual to the point of despair. And this is a very important point for a person to reach so they will truly turn to the living God for the forgiveness, for the grace and mercy that he is offering. Now, of course, the modern Jew is different from the historical Jew during this time period. The modern Jew does not have the same advantage as the Jew did back during the time that this was written. I was explaining this in the previous program. And part of that has to do with the evolutionary change of rabbinical Judaism. When the Lord Jesus came, they were just beginning to really get set in their beliefs in terms of they had found a way to live in obedience to all of the law. But through the evolutionary refinements that has happened since then, things have changed to such an extent that it is very difficult for a Jew to have an advantage because of the evolutionary change that has occurred. And so there has been some significant changes, and I just wanted to mention that again in this program, that the Jew today does not have the same advantage as the Jew back then. Now, regardless of whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, the purpose and the intent of the law is to lead a person to the point of despair. It shows an individual that they have a need for forgiveness. This is a very important point. Now, there are many other purposes for the law. The Lord gave the law for other reasons, not just this reason. There are many reasons. However, it's very important not to try to use the law for a reason that it was not given for. For example, today people believe that if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you have embraced the forgiveness of sins, if you have entered into the new covenant, there are many people who believe that the law can have an application. There are opportunities that you can apply the law in your life today. And I totally reject that belief. I believe that a believer should be governed and led by the Holy Spirit, not by the law. I do believe that the Holy Spirit is not going to lead an individual to sin. But the law never led an individual out of sin. That's the point, is that people believe that the law will keep a person from sinning, but no, the law will not lead a person away from sin. If it could have done that, there would have been no need for the Lord Jesus to come and die for our sins. We could have just stuck with the law. But people are still trying to take the law and find some way to use it in our lives, and there just simply is no way for it to be used. 
It can be used for other reasons, though. It can be used to show an individual that they have a need for forgiveness, as I mentioned earlier. It can also be used in order to show how our God has accomplished salvation through the prophetic references that are in the law. There are many prophetic references in the law that will show how our God has accomplished salvation. The Passover laws, for example, compare the laws of Passover with the last week of the Lord Jesus' ministry, and you will see many prophetic references. There are foreshadowings in the law that have now been revealed. For example, consider the Sabbath law. The Sabbath law was used by our God in order to describe the rest that we are now able to enter into because of what Jesus has done for us. That there is a rest that has now been made available to the people of God that is not available to those people who are not of God. This is described in Hebrews chapter 4, and that we are to ensure that we do not fail to enter in to that rest. There is a foreshadowing, there is a reality. We no longer live in the shadows, we now live in what is real. And so there are many uses for the law. We can use the law for many things as long as those reasons, as those purposes are consistent with what the Lord gave the law for. If they are inconsistent, then you are misusing, you are abusing not only the word of God, but those who you are speaking to concerning whatever subject you are trying to present by misusing the law of God. Now, there is a unique challenge that is described in Romans chapter 3, verse 3, and that is that there are some people who will not believe that truth. They will not believe the truth that they have a need for forgiveness and mercy. Even though you show them the law, they still won't believe. And so if people fail to believe, does that mean that God failed? That's an important question to ask. If the law was given for the purpose of showing an individual that they have a need for forgiveness and mercy, what happens if the law is presented to them and they fail to see that they have a need for forgiveness and mercy? That's what Paul presents in Romans chapter 3, verse 3. What then, if some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. All right, now you're not going to be judged because you're a good talker. You're going to be judged on the basis of truth. That's important to see. But what I'd like you to see from verse 3 is that regardless of whether somebody believes the Lord or not, regardless of whether they believe the testimony that is given to them by the law or not, it does not mean that God was not faithful. It doesn't mean that. That's what he says, is that it was given for a distinct purpose, but if you haven't noticed, there are a lot of people who are not responding to that. They are not believing that. And he's saying it doesn't matter. It does not matter because the reason why they are not responding is because they don't believe anyway. And that's the point. People can be so focused. People can be so focused on a person's sin or whether they're being forgiven that they forget the greater issue. They forget that that is not the real issue. The real issue is whether or not people believe their God. The reason why humanity is in the condition that it is in, the reason why Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, which resulted in the death of humanity, 
The reason why that happened was because they did not believe God. And so if people don't believe the testimony of the law, do not be concerned about its effectiveness or God's faithfulness or whether God is just or not. Don't be concerned about that. It is further testimony to show an individual that they do not believe. And it is further evidence that God will be able to use to show that people don't believe him. They didn't believe him before. They still don't believe him now. And in the future, there are many people who are still not going to believe him in the future. That's the reason. That's the purpose. That is the overall perspective that people have a tendency to forget. And it's very easy to do in religion because people get so consumed with sin and forgiveness that they forget that the greater issue is actually about belief. I started this program by explaining to you that a Jew has an advantage because they can discover, or they have an opportunity to discover their need for forgiveness earlier. If they're going to be devoted to Moses, then it will lead them in that direction. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is not can we get a person to see that they have a need for forgiveness. It's important. Don't get me wrong. But it is nothing in comparison with an individual recognizing that they do not believe the Lord. That's the real issue. If they believe the Lord, they will also believe that they have a need for forgiveness. But if they believe they have a need for forgiveness, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to believe other things that the Lord has revealed. You should recognize this. You should understand this. You should know people who claim to be Christians who would rather be burned alive than renounce the forgiveness that has been offered to them through the cross. But they still wrestle with issues in life. They still wrestle with matters that could easily be resolved if they would just simply believe the Lord and trust him. That is the greater issue, whereas this other issue is a smaller issue in the middle of it, inside of it, that is being addressed. And so please don't get lost in this detail and forget the big picture. The big picture is that humanity fell because we did not believe, and humanity will be restored when we do believe. The faithfulness of God is not in question here when it comes to people not believing in the law. Oh, no, it is not in question. It is only evidence to show that our God was loving enough, he was kind enough to make an attempt to reach out to individuals through using the law. But just because people don't believe him there doesn't mean that he has failed. It just shows in a greater way that people truly have a need for forgiveness and mercy well above and beyond what they can possibly comprehend. And so may it never be, in verse 4, may it never be, rather let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. God is true, he will always be true, and he does not require our acknowledgement of that for it to be the case. He does not require us to validate him being true, him being faithful, him being trustworthy. It is only further evidence to show that we truly have a need for his mercy. At the end of verse 4, it says that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Well, think about it for just a moment. Are you ever going to be justified by your words? No, you're not going to be justified in your words unless those words are the words that mean something. Those words being, I believe you, I trust you. What you say, that is the way things are. 
What you have testified of to me, I will believe it. That is the only justification that you will ever be able to stand with. If you want to be judged, be judged by believing his words and let your words be the testimony that that is the only thing you are able to stand on. And that is his promise. That is his gift. That is his forgiveness and his mercy. That is where justification comes from. It comes from no other place. So in the beginning of Romans chapter 3, in verses 3 and 4, he addresses the unbelievers. In verse 1 and 2, he addresses the Jew. Verse 3 and 4, he addresses the unbelievers. Those who could be a Jew, they could be a Gentile, but they are people who reject the living God. And then the third classification is the believers. So in the beginning of Romans chapter 3, you've got the Jews who are not going to be considered to be a believer just because they're a Jew. And then you have the unbelievers who do not believe their God at all. And then you have the believers after that, those who truly believe and trust in the living God. But of course, there are issues that believers struggle with. There are issues that believers wrestle with. And one of these issues is described here, and that is the issue that people are concerned about Jesus, about our God benefiting, benefiting from our failures, because he does. He benefits. Beginning in Romans chapter 3, verse 5, it says, But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? I am speaking in human terms. May it never be, for otherwise, how will God judge the world? What I want you to see here is that it's easy for an individual to ask, why am I being punished? Why am I being judged for my sin, for my unrighteousness, when you as God can use my unrighteousness to demonstrate your righteousness? Why is it that you're able to take advantage of my sin? Why is it that you can do that and yet I am being judged for my sin? Now, of course, the only way a person can ask that question legitimately with their heart, not as an excuse, but instead a legitimate question from an individual's heart, the only way they can do that is if they believe that they have a need for forgiveness. If they believe that they are unrighteous and that their unrighteousness has demonstrated the righteousness of God, the faithfulness of God, they have to make it that far. So this is generally a question that comes from believers, not unbelievers, at least when it's presented sincerely. And I want you to see this. I want you to see that, yes, God is able to take advantage of our unrighteousness. He can show his righteousness through our unrighteousness. He can show his faithfulness through our unfaithfulness. He can demonstrate that by making comparisons and contrasts. He is able to use our unrighteousness to show his forgiveness, to show his mercy, to show his love. He is able to use the destructive nature of humanity for his benefit. And so if that's the case, then why is it that he gets to benefit, but we get to be punished? Well, we're not going to be punished, of course, because he forgave us for our sins. 
We're not going to experience punishment for our sins. There are many people who are going to experience punishment because they are spiritually dead, and there's nothing that the Lord can do with an individual who rejects him, who doesn't believe him, who wants nothing to do with him, who will perhaps at best have a relationship with him only because they are afraid of being punished. What kind of relationship is that? There's no relationship there. There's no real relationship between individuals when one simply lives in fear because they're afraid that if they do the wrong thing or they sin, then God is going to punish them. That's not a real relationship. That is a relationship that many people experience in life between parents and children, for example, and that is a valuable and real relationship, but it's not the kind of relationship that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a relationship between friends. That's something that's totally different, totally different. And so please consider that this question about God passing judgment against us because of our sin, when he's able to use our sin to his benefit, it is easy to ask why we would be punished for such a thing. Why would any individual be separated from their God for such a reason? Now, the point is very simple, and that is just because he benefits doesn't mean that he necessarily wants that to exist. Just because he benefits doesn't mean that he owes you anything. It doesn't mean that he owes you. It doesn't mean that he should be thankful. Oh, thank you for all the sin you committed. Thank you for all of your unrighteousness. You know, I really needed that. He really needs that in his life. That's what he really needs. Because without that, he wouldn't be able to show you what it means to be loved by him. I do not believe that God owes anyone for this opportunity for him to reveal himself in this capacity. I don't believe that. And I sincerely believe that this is what Paul is getting at here in Romans chapter 3 after verse 5. I really believe that this is the point. That the point is, is that if someone is going to believe, then they can easily ask the question, why would he be judging anyone at all if he gets to benefit from that? And the point is, is that yes, he gets to benefit. However, that doesn't mean that he owes anyone It's very important to recognize this, because if you do recognize this, then you can really appreciate, you can really appreciate and appreciate even more his forgiveness. You can truly appreciate his grace and his mercy, because he did not have to do that. You understand? He did not have to save anyone. He didn't have to do that. He decided to do that. That was his decision. And the fact that he benefits from his decision is not something that you're going to be able to lay claim to. He did not have to save anyone. And the fact that he did doesn't mean that he owes anyone for the opportunity to save them. What does that mean? That means something like if you're in a boat and you decide to just jump out of the boat and someone sees you, someone who can rescue you, and they go and rescue you and they bring you back to the boat. They kept you from drowning. They saved your life. Now you can look at them and say, now, you know, you, of course, got to benefit from this because there are people who are going to be able to look to you and say, wow, look, this individual saved an individual. See what happened? Now you're a hero. You're a hero because I jumped out of the boat. You owe me. You owe me a lot. And because of that, I'm going to remind you that you owe me. Next time I do something that you disapprove of or you don't like, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to say, excuse me, but I'm the one who made you a hero. Don't look down on me. Don't get in my way. Don't say anything bad about me because you benefited from my decision to jump out of the boat. 
That's what people are thinking. They don't understand the whole concept of forgiveness. They don't understand its real value and its purpose and that it has nothing to do with somebody now owes you because you gave them an opportunity to be righteous, because you gave God an opportunity to be godly. He didn't need you to be godly. He didn't need you to be righteous or just. He already is godly. He already is righteous. He already is just. Whether you provide him with an opportunity to reveal that to others or not, it doesn't matter. It is not an issue. But people are asking these questions. People are asking these questions because they're reasonable questions to ask from individuals who haven't really come to understand the scope and depth of his forgiveness. Again, beginning in Romans chapter 3, verse 5, it says, But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is unrighteous, is he? I'm speaking in human terms. May it never be, for otherwise... How will God judge the world? That's the point, is that he has no right to pass judgment. He has no right to say anything evil about anyone because he was able to benefit from everyone's evil. And that's just simply not the case. Beginning in verse 7, it says, But if through my lie the truth of God abounded to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? Well, of course you're still being judged as a sinner because... You are in that situation in verse 8. And why not say, as we are slanderously reported and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just. Now, this is the next conclusion. I mean, if the first conclusion is that God has benefited, God has benefited from our sin, then why don't we sin more, first of all, so that he can benefit more, more of his righteousness can be revealed, more of his mercy can be revealed, but not only that, but we can benefit even more because we can receive more forgiveness, we can receive more love. This is an appropriate conclusion for a natural individual who is not being led by the Holy Spirit who has not been given any spiritual discernment at all, because this is a rational conclusion. It is a rational conclusion, but it is not the only conclusion. There is another conclusion that is perfectly rational, but it's very difficult to embrace without divine understanding, without divine intervention, whereas the Lord will reveal to us the importance of seeing the purpose and the use of sin and the law to lead us to him, but to not just lead us to him, not just open up this door of opportunity to go out and indulge our flesh, not for that reason, no, for another reason. He has done all of this so that he can open a door to us. And this door that has been opened to us is a door of opportunity. It is a door of relationship in the kingdom of heaven, not in the kingdom that is here on earth, but the kingdom that our God is the king over. This is the transition that people go through. First, they realize they have a need for forgiveness and mercy because of the law. They embrace that. That demonstrates the righteousness of God. We are able to understand that, yes, sin is terrible, but that God has been able to use that to his advantage so that he can reveal more about who he is to us, so that we can also be the recipients of his mercy, but that we are not to then go into the world and sin more so that we can receive more forgiveness. No, he has done that in order to open the door into another way of life, 
into a totally different way of life that has nothing to do with the life that we lived before. There is a new life in Christ Jesus. There is a new life that is totally separate from the life that we are a part of now. And yes, when we live in that new life, we live that life in the midst of the life that we are in now. That is true, but it doesn't mean that it is the same thing. They are two totally different things. Yes, our God is divine, and he lives here in this world, actively participating, actively involved in the lives of people. So also, when we are resurrected from the dead, through the indwelling presence of his life, through the indwelling presence of his spirit, we then continue to live our lives here on earth. And we live our lives in the midst of other people's lives, participating in the world that we are still a part of. But the life that we now get to live is totally different from the life that we lived before. We have a completely different way of life that is available to us that is not based on trying to continue to glorify God's forgiveness and mercy by sinning more. That's not what this is about. That's not the purpose of this. And so again in verse 8, Let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just. The condemnation that will be levied against them is just. Because they are looking for an excuse to sin. They have totally misunderstood the purpose of his forgiveness and his mercy. They have totally misunderstood the purpose of the law. They have totally misunderstood that. It is a rational conclusion, but it is not the only conclusion. Just because it is a rational conclusion does not mean that it is true or that it is of God. In verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. In other words, we are not better than anyone else. It's not based on whether we are better or not better, better or worse. It doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about the believers. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with one person and one person only, who is not a Jew, who is not a Gentile, who is not a sinner, who is not of this world at all. It is all about him, the living God. That is who this is about. This is the work that he is doing. And we are a part of it. We are a part of it, but it is about him and him alone. There is nothing left for us. There is no opportunity for us to glory in anything, either in our indulgence of our flesh in sin or in righteousness that we get to enjoy as he transforms us from the inside. It is only about our God. He alone, all of this, is used for his purpose, his glory, his righteousness, and his revelation. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net